Hey guys, welcome to part two of my review of Toys in the Attic, classic album by Aerosmith with my good friend from the Deep Purple podcast, John Matola. Guys, go check out the Deep Purple podcast. I promise you it is a good time. The link is in the show notes uh, under the section where I talk about where you can find John. Great guy, John Matola. I've known him for a couple years now. And every episode he's been on, I've just I've really enjoyed talking to him. I've enjoyed talking to him on his show. We got a lot of stuff in the works that we're going to be doing together, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but I just want to say thanks for for listening. You know, I break these episodes up. Because I find like if if there's even a topic that I'm interested in, if there's a two hour podcast, I'm like, God, that's that's a long commitment for me to do all at the same time. And you can't go and listen to another podcast on that same podcast player because you'll lose your spot. Like they don't have bookmarks uh, on the podcast players that I use so that you can, you know, just bookmark that and come back later. It wipes it out in memory where you're at. And I hate that. So I try to break these into smaller chunks so that you can say, hey, you know what, half hour, 45 minutes, I can do that. And then next week or the week after or whenever, you know, sometimes I, I break them up with other things that come up, um, you can you can check out the whole thing. So that's why I do that. But I really enjoyed my conversation with John. Check him out on the Deep Purple podcast and enjoy part two of our review of this amazing classic album, Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith. So our third song, uh, this one's kind of a fun one. It is called Adam's Apple. Another great guitar riff. Yeah. Oh, and I love that one note that just kind of like borderlines on squeaking. It's it's just kind of barely there, but that's that's something that gives that song so much more character than just playing, well, here's the riff we have. It's just that one note, that one little thing makes it so much better than it would be just flat or straight. No, yeah, I, I agree. Um this is like another like that yeah the way that that opening riff uh kicks in with the way that um and i and you know i don't don't know if it's um um brad whitford or uh joe perry that's playing that the main riff but um um yeah i I, like i mean i i know joe perry's style i mean admittedly like i know i can pick out brad whitford's less i mean that doesn't mean that i think that he's any less of a player but it's just like um i feel like you know i don't know him well enough to think that like you know his sound is as distinctive just because joe perry is you know one of the faces of the band over the year like i can tell his leads and you know how his playing is but whoever played that i feel like it would be a joe perry but i could be wrong the way that he bends that you know that note in the opening riff is just this really kind of like bluesy almost like you know like a slide type of thing Mm -hmm. um you know very very bluesy, very like, you know, in character with, you know, the, the style of music because they're, you know, very blues rock, um, you know, obviously. And um, I feel like this was another one, like the tempo was like, 
it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, it was kind of between toys in the attic and uncle salty it was like a mid-tempo rocker you know it like it didn't really explode but it had like this great uh this great groove you know you're like you're bobbing your head and you're just like yeah you know i can get into this and a lot of it is you know the um um you know the riff and again like you know the bass groove in there like i mean you know uh you know no people don't talk enough about tom hamilton and what a uh, great bass player he was and we it's, certainly get a lot excuse me we certainly get a lot on this album to to show off how well he really plays mhm yeah i i agree i think it's 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 interesting though you would kind of expect maybe something a little bit more up tempo coming off of the last song since we started off really hot and then we dialed it down you you would kind of want like another pickup but this is like another mid-range tempo song where you're like okay i'm just gonna kind of rest where this album is and just float down the river wherever it goes as opposed to i gotta get up and headbang or tap my foot this song might make you make you tap your foot but it's not like you're like oh my god i'm really feeling it it's just enjoyable to listen to as opposed to one i have a physical reaction to yeah you know and, and of course it, it tells the story of adam and eve and and gets into that a little bit, but it's uh, you know, uh, it, it's another great vocal and it's another great riff. I mean, this album like three for three, right off the bat, where it just hits solid writing, solid performance. And the other thing that I, I'll talk about either is like uh, usually this is like I'm not like uh, I'm not a lyrics guy, mm-hmm. but uh, you, there's there's things like especially like in Aerosmith, like early Aerosmith that I pick out like lines um like um you know like the title uncle salty like really unusual right Mm -hmm. or like the beginning line of this song back when kane was able Mm -hmm. you know like that kind of like oh like a double meaning you know it's like um like those kind of things always caught my ear and i'm just like yeah that's really you know that's really neat like it you know it's 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 almost like uh, him and like um, two two more different singers you know you couldn't find is him and like ronnie james dio or the two people that like their lyrics like i like i can remember a lot of like stuff that they do just because they weren't really traditional lyricists they always like they always tried to be really interesting you know and this you know steven tyler's got a lot of interesting bits in there the way you know that he writes his lyrics yeah he's definitely a wordsmith i i would say uh, there there are some songs that he's a little maybe too straightforward for me, but I think he's very well spoken as a lyricist. I think he comes up with some very imaginative ways to twist things to keep him interesting, very much like back when Kane was able. I loved that line. Uh, in fact, I remember specifically the very first time I heard this song, and I think I got this album originally on 8-track. Wow. I'm pretty sure it was 8-track. And uh, it was probably at the Salvation Army that you and I were talking about before the show for like 25 cents or, or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I remember that that lyric struck me right off the bat because I've never really been a lyrics guy either. I, I see the voice as more of an instrument than yeah. I do caring about whatever they're singing about. I mean, obviously, certain songs are designed to really focus on what the lyrics are. But in a song like this, I almost don't care what he's saying. I'm just enjoying the sound, the overall package of the of the sound of the song. Um, I like those little builds during the verse, too, because they're really subtle. And then just all of a sudden, when it's about to transition, they just get really heavy. And I like that. I think that's that's very that takes a lot of patience to uh, keep that consistent as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our next song up is one that a lot of you will probably know if you don't. This is the original version of the song 
not the Run DMC version of the song, which would come many years later in one of the weirdest collaborations in music history. Walk This Way. Well, I mean, that is such, you know, as as much as I've heard this song, I still have to look back at this and go, this is a really brilliant riff. It's it's simple, but it stays in your head. It's very powerful. Great writing. I agree. Um, I think that, um, I mean, the, the, you know, due to when, you know, I was growing up, then, you know, the, the first version of this song that I was familiar with was the one that you had just mentioned was the Run DMC one. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's when, you know, Aerosmith was, um, you know, I think it was before Permanent Vacation. It was leading into that, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is where they kind of were like, quote unquote, back. And then Permanent Vacation was like their return album, you know, even though the real first return album was done with Mirrors. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Permanent Vacation was the one that hit. But before that was this, where they reworked the song. And so I can't help but listen to this and hear like kind of the almost like the the rap elements in it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's probably why they chose it to redo it is just because it has that kind of, it has that kind of groove to it because it's another one like during the, during the, um, during the verse. I mean, you have a lot of like, you know, really cool stuff going on. I mean, again, you have like this great bass groove going on under this kind of interesting guitar line. He's not just strumming chords or anything. He's just, you know, he's picking out these notes and Steven Tyler is rapping over it basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, um, I feel like it's like something you did not hear rock bands doing in the seventies. Like, you know, this is some really like, you know, um, like this is almost like funky, you know? Yeah, it is. And I, I never realized actually until I was listening to it just now what the guitars are actually doing during the verse. And it's very intelligent playing. Typically in a song like this, you think you just do some kind of strumming or, or simple note picking so that the, voc- the vocals could stand out. But he's actually playing something pretty intricate and he's got a good amount of distortion on it, but it's mm-hmm. mixed to where it's not overpowering the vocals. Yeah. Which I, I really like. I think is a very clean mix. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it is hard even for me, which grew up with the original version of the song, to not hear those those Run DMC elements in it even now. Because I had, I'm pretty sure I had a single cassette that was the original version on one side and the Run DMC version on the other side. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was, and maybe I think it had a live version or something when they performed it together. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was a great tribute. They added a lot without really losing the original. I thought it, it was very well done. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely updated. Um, whatever it was nine ten years later, um, to um, to the times. But I, I think you're right. I mean, if you listen to the to the '80s version, it really it isn't too much different. They just added, you know, they just added some stuff into it. 
But I mean, um, you know, the integrity of the original song and the riff are still kind of there because it was kind of funky and almost like, you know, a precursor to to rap, if you think about it. I'm sure that, you know, there are people that have written about it and, you know, I'm probably saying stuff that everybody already knows. Um, but I mean, this is, you know, a lot of like, I don't do any research or listen to the album or read anything about, you know, like I come in with, you know, fresh observations. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I probably am echoing a lot of what other people have already said. Um, but I mean, you know, it's got to be true if they are saying it. Um, but I mean, I think that there's also like, you know, some good like percussive stuff in there too, meaning like, um, you know, I noticed like when a guitar player is playing and they kind of like, you know, they, um, you know, they're kind of percu- uh, percussive with the, um, you know, um, kind of like, you know, um, hit the way they hit the strings or they, you know, in between like the riff and he was a da 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 you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, those little things might not be difficult, but I appreciate them because it's like, you know, using the guitar is like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in a percussive way. Um, and it just kind of lends to the to the swing of the song, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't have the hi-hat doing all that work all the time. You know, it's, <laughs> it's nice to hear some muted notes come through to kind of keep that rhythm going. And, and it's like adding a shaker or a tambourine, only using utilizing the guitar to do it. It keeps the rhythm going. It makes it a little bit more interesting. I think he's playing some great stuff on this song, uh, and and you're gonna you're always gonna win me over with a cowbell. Oh yeah, that's just gonna happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. Even and, and I like that he used it very subtly. You know, it was really just during that that one part of the riff, and I, I like that it wasn't overused. It isn't played during the whole song. It isn't played during you know a, a drum fill or anything to just kind of keep using it. It's very tasteful, very minimal. But it, mm-hmm. it makes its point and it adds a little different dynamic to the song so that we're not getting the same same parts over and over again. Right. You got to you got to break up the monotony, even in a song that's only like three and a half minutes. What I think they should do is for the for, say, 2025 is revamp the song again, but bring on air, um, uh, Anthrax. <laughs> oh. And do like an I'm the man version Oh man, <laughs> and and really, really just throw this song into a tizzy. I don't know. I don't know. You think they would be they would be up for that? Uh, they probably <laughs> like, yeah, we did that like you know thirty something odd years ago. We're not into that anymore. Yeah, you'd want to you'd want to bring in like uh, you know they'd probably be like, yeah, let's pick you know whoever the the hottest new musician is now to do something with it. Yeah, we're bringing in uh, One Direction and Aerosmith will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know wow. who's popular now. I, I don't even know if they're popular anymore. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I I couldn't so, name but... a single song of theirs. I don't know anyone. I don't know anything about them except that they were very popular at one time. Yeah, let's say, um, I don't know, Harry Styles. There you go. <laughs> and Aerosmith. <laughs> I, I, I'd pay to see that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a very, very popular song. Another one that I'm surprised... I don't think this was released as a single and it seems like it would have been because it seems to me like I've heard this on the radio and maybe I'm I'm misremembering it but Big 10 inch record
great solo and and within the first 40 seconds of the song oh yeah i like this song because um, it's it's a it's a shuffle that has a mm -hmm. swing feel to it you've got a big band feel to it and you've got a rock and roll feel to it all wrapped up into one song yeah this is probably what makes it one of my favorite songs on the album and this is not um not an original i thought it was i thought that they wrote it I recently found out they didn't. I, I thought the same thing for the longest time because it, it sounds like something Steven Tyler would write. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think the 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 fact that they they included it on the album and put their their spin on it is is enough. But I mean, you know, it uh, you know, like you said, it, it sounds like I mean, everything from like the, you know, the music I thought was like you said, it had all those elements in it. I can't add anything to what you said because it's got all those great elements in it. I would mm -hmm. thought at first when I first heard this, I'm like, wow, what a great, again, a different kind of turn that they did, but still keeping with what they do. Because when you hear Aerosmith, you're like, oh yeah, they, this is them. You know, it isn't like they're doing like some kind of like avant-garde thing. Like what? They got a, they got a, a, a big band in there. Like what the hell are they doing? Like, mm -hmm. it sounds like it fits. Yeah. And even when he's like, you know, my big 10 inch and then he pauses and he's like record, you know, and mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, okay. I thought, I know what he was hinting at probably. And, um, you know, you think, wow, what a Steven Tyler thing to do, but it, you know, they definitely picked it because it's part of their style. Yeah. But, um, you know, everything from, you know, the, um, the, the song itself, the lyrics, the way it's produced, like the, um, you know, that great guitar solo. And uh, again, the groove behind it, if I talk about one song and I'm not going to talk about the groove, it's going to be hard because every song has got a groove to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it easily makes it like, you know, one of my favorite songs on the album because it's just so damn catchy. And and I had to wonder too, and I don't know, but if the bass player played an upright bass on this, because that would be a more traditional way to play a song like this. But it sounds like it was just a reg his regular electric bass, but he definitely captures the feeling of an upright. Yeah, that would, you know what, with Aerosmith, who knows, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, um, I feel like he would have been like, you know, Tom Hamilton would have been playing a, a regular bass, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, yeah, we we brought in this big upright and he was, you know, or if they brought in like a studio musician to play the upright bass, mm -hmm. who knows? And they could you have know. just put a little bit more low end in the EQ to kind of give the feeling that, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I, I've been in rooms where those uh, basses have been played and they do really have a different feel to them there's way more bottom end the chamber is so much bigger uh that the sound resonates and they really do have a different sound so it i i'm gonna guess that they probably played an electric bass and just put in a little more bass into the eq to mm -hmm. compensate for the feel of it uh but overall i mean the the feeling of it is great it's got great energy uh i i, I kind of like the double entendre i think that's that's kind of a fun uh a fun play on the words um, something we could have definitely expected something like that for David Coverdale, except he just would have said at the end, as the song was fading out with the organ, he just would have said penis. <laughs> Better believe it or something, you know. Um, but I think it's a fun song. I mean, it's got it's got a great feel to it. It's upbeat. You kind of get that finger snapping feel to it. And and I yeah. I visualize that um, you know, those old videos from like sock hops where the girls would have their hair back in a yeah. ponytail and they'd be like rolling mm -hmm. over the back of the guy as he's bending over and, you know, doing those kind of syncopated dance moves. That's really what I picture with a song like this. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely like uh, kind of um, evokes that kind of feeling, mm -hmm. um, which I mean is, is like, um, but they, they update it to the time. So it's kind of like has this, 
this big band, uh, you know, bluesy, uh, shuffly type of thing, which makes it like, um, I think, accessible. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like uh, too, uh, quote unquote, like old fashioned, you know? Yeah. If they had, had affected it to where it sounded like it came from, say, the 50s. Uh, I don't think the song would have worked if they tried to get too cute with it and do that. I think that the fact that it sounds modern, it sounds like they they just recorded it, I think works way better to have, uh, because it wouldn't have worked on the album. I mean, it would it might have worked as a single, but it wouldn't have worked in the context of the album to do it that way, unless they did the whole album that way, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't want to hear. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, great song, though. Uh, that brings us to another one of Aerosmith's probably most famous songs, uh, Sweet Emotion. Okay, let's just talk about that really long intro. Uh, yeah. Another fantastic bass groove. He his bass sounds phenomenal on this. Mm-hmm. Definitely digging that. Love it. Love that vibra slap that just comes in randomly here and there for some reason. Is this the first time that we really hear a talk box in a song? Um, from from them, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was very popular before this. I mean, it might have been used, but I don't know if there were any songs that were really popular that used it up until this point. Um, oh boy, yeah, um, yeah. Any 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 of them escape me because we know that the the most popular use of a of a talk box in the seventies was Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure that they were they were somewhere else before. I mean, it's you know uh, you have to be. Uh, ridiculous to think there weren't but i can't think of anything offhand that was like notable yeah um but um i know that the whole intro of this song is just really interesting to hear because with all those sound effects and the way that they draw it out you they're they're like building up to something they're creating a mood which i think is is like you know number one good songwriting and number two good production like i mean i think it's great that they had um you know a a great producer Mm -hmm. For the for this in their early albums too, because you know when I think of like other bands that are contemporaries, like you know my favorite band Kiss, mm-hmm. and you know like uh, as as we've talked about their first three albums, the production was just all over the place. Yeah, and um, you know had they you know had a, a producer like this, or you know um, you know maybe it would have been uh, you know sooner than you know Bob Ezrin, um, you know doing Destroyer would they have had, you know, that's when they kind of got into like a little more elaborate, for lack of a better word, elaborate arrangements like this, mm-hmm. you know, would they have, you know, had something a little more, you know, uh, memorable committed to vinyl maybe, but I mean, you know, I feel that this is one of the things that set Aerosmith apart because I mean, what's this, the second album yeah. and already, I mean, it sounds super like just professional, like they've just been, you know, doing this forever. Yeah, it's very polished. The the sound overall, they got yes. a great recording. Uh, obviously, it's very well mixed. I like this intro. I mean, as far as the talk box, if you didn't know better, because it's really kind of subtle, it could be a keyboard sound. 
you know. Um, but yeah. I, I love the shaker. And this is it's kind of weird to say how much I like the shaker in this song. But the reason I like it is because I know how hard it is to play a shaker slow. Because what you really need is you need to get that consistent action on a shaker to get the whatever the whatever's inside, whether it's buckshot or beads or corn or whatever. Uh, you need to get that uh, moving so that it's consistent. And it's really hard to do it slow and get a good consistent sound. But this has got a real gentle sound to it. It's whatever's inside can't be too gruff. It might be like sand, um, you know, or or something that's that's not too heavy. Like uh, it wouldn't probably wouldn't be rice or beans. Uh, it just sounds very nice and, and gentle. But I, I appreciate how evenly that's played uh, because this would be before we could do this digitally. So this is somebody physically playing that shaker. And it mm-hmm. just kind of carries it along really nicely. Yeah. Now, and I mean, um, you know, we and then, you know, never mind the the rest of the song, which, you know, we we've been talking about the intro the whole time. But yeah. I mean, the um, I mean, the the rest of the song is, is like, um, I, I mean, you know, you have like this really like this build up to like, um, you know, another mid tempo rocker. And then that um, the, the pre-chorus is just this really like just heavy, heavy riff, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, again, like leads into the, you know, the outro where they have this like uh, this epic outro and guitar solo, um, you know, which, you know, I think is like, uh, you know, one of the one of the greatest things that they've done, um, you know, for his you know, played out as the song can be, you know, it's like, if you listen to it fresh, I mean, um, they, they had actually, this was one that I, they re-released. I want to say in the, the nineties, cause they did a video for it. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember vaguely. Yeah. Was, was yeah. it a new version of the song or was it just re-released? No, I think they like, they might've, um, they might've remastered it or something like okay. that. And then they like, um, but they did a video, like where they did like a music video for it in the nineties. Like I believe using the original track, I don't think they re-recorded it. Okay. Um, to my knowledge to try and like, uh, you know, regenerate interest in it. And for some reason, I always thought that that, that end part, the, the outro solo, I always thought that that was a new part of the recording. Mm. I don't know why. Like, I, I feel like I've, I'd heard this song before, but I'd never heard the outro. Maybe you heard like a radio edit version of it where they really clipped it down. Yeah, maybe. And maybe this was the first time that they were releasing it like, um, you know, kind of a full version. But I remember seeing the video and like thinking like, oh, this was because, I mean, there are bands like in the 90s, like um, when, um, I don't know, like uh, I think like Motley Crue re-recorded like Home Sweet Home with a real piano. They redid a version of it. They redid Shout at the Devil you know, uh, stuff like that. Like, I know that there were bands that were like, you know, kind of like redoing some of their older songs or like, you know, adding stuff to it or like, you know, just trying to, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, cash in, you know, on that, like, let's, let's, you know, keep the, uh, keep the train rolling before we get out a new album type of thing or whatever. And, um, and I was always at, I don't know why I was always under the impression that this, like that outro was something that they re-recorded new in the nineties and tacked on the end of the song. And then I was like, and then I was like, Oh, I was wrong. (laughs) I was like way wrong. I don't know why. Well, I I had a similar experience with the song, what it takes because I had the, uh, the radio edit of it on cassette. And then when I got the, uh, the album, it was the full version and it just, it goes on and on and on. And I'm like, Holy crap. I didn't even know all this song existed because I had the single. 
you know, which was edited yeah. for radio. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of the same thing for me. I'm like, did they when did they add all this? Because that was not in the version I heard. But of course, it was. They just you know clipped it out. Right. So yeah, it's, it's all it it throws you off too because it's like you have a certain expectation for the song, and when you hear something that's different from that version that you know, it kind of feels weird all of a sudden. Now you're in this weird territory of a song that you're familiar with, but is different from what you're familiar with. It's really strange. Yeah. But a good song, uh, for sure. I, I still, I mean, I've heard the song a million times in the course of my life, but I, I still love it. I think it's a fantastic song. Uh, we didn't get to Stephen's vocals on it. I'm sure you probably heard it already. Um, but just his harmonizing his own voice on this one again, it just, it's, it's blended so perfectly, um, mm-hmm. between his, his efforts in singing it and the way it was mixed. Absolutely flawless. Yeah, definitely. So that brings us to uh, one of my favorite tracks. Actually, the, the, the three tracks that we have left to do are all uh, huge favorites of mine. This one is called No More, No More. I love the opening line. Blood stains the ivories on my daddy's baby grand. I think yep, that is another one. such a kick-ass opening line. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I feel like there are a couple of songs like that on this album where that that first line of like the verse is like the one that hooks you in. Yeah. Do you feel like this has a little bit of a southern rock feel to it? For some reason, I feel like it does. Um, I mean, I, I can hear it now that you said said something but um i was um i I was trying to think of what it made me think of because it had like a little bit of that i like how the the um the again the opening was was um it seemed like it was a little different for Mm -hmm. them you know it had this like the the guitar like the the chord that they were picking out was doubled by an acoustic underneath Mm -hmm. it which i thought was really cool yeah um and then when it kicked into the like it kind of this melodic way of opening the song just it's like oh, okay so this isn't really this isn't bluesy and this isn't heavy it's kind of melodic and then it just kicks into this kind of like pseudo kind of bluesy type of like um you know um verse and then you have like the the quintessential like steven tyler like you know hitting that one note or chord on the piano in the background during the the verse that ding 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 you know yeah. it's just like really simple but that's like a staple steven tyler thing that i know that he's done a lot over the years mm-hmm. um but um yeah i guess there's like a little bit of a you know so i mean i'm not an expert on southern rock or what it sounds like but when you mention i guess i can hear it a little bit maybe it's the acoustic um, that that they layered in there maybe that's what's kind maybe. of giving me that feel to it but i, I just kind of reminds me of maybe like a leonard skinner type riff um just just for some reason that comes to mind when i hear it uh, yeah. not, not that I'm an expert on them by any means, because I'm not. But 
Uh, I think the song's got a really good energy to it. There's some really great transitions, especially going into to one of the breaks where it just kind of keeps escalating up in, in pitch. And Steven just follows it beautifully. And then it just kind of slows down. Everything dies out. Then there's just the ride cymbal and Steven Tyler singing. And it just it just moves. It The song flows so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um this is another great like deep track um I think for them. Um yeah, there's there's just so much good stuff overall on the album. Like I I don't think there's like a like a, a filler in the bunch here. Yeah, I agree. And I I honestly think this could have been a single. Yeah. I, I think this could yeah. have stood on its own as a single. Um, absolutely yeah but but definitely for for me a highlight on this album for sure and and uh, Mm -hmm. i had a feeling it was one that you would really resonate with too yeah so our second to the last song uh is another one of my favorites i would listen to this song and then as soon as it was over i would turn it back and listen to it again which was a real pain in the ass when you had the album on cassette (laughs) but that's what so i would always try remember you get yeah on some cassette players you had the counter so you could reset yeah. the counter to zero and then you had to be really good with the stop button when you rewound it so that you got it back to zero because they didn't for a long time they didn't have those auto shutoffs where yeah. you could you could set it to stop rewinding when you got to zero so you just had to be really good with the stop button um, oh i was precision i had my finger <laughs> on the button and i was like watching that thing like a cat <laughs> <laughs> with gazelle like reflexes yep <laughs> 